Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your front, your gaming podcast where if you listen to us, your GM will never see it coming. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless, of course, your GM's listening to the podcast. So, you know, uh, I would much rather have six players listening to our podcast and, one not, and not one GM, but I, I have no control over that, so whatever. We, we're, we're glad to hear all of it because uh, all the tips and tricks that we're doing as, as a follow-up to our first uh, tips and tricks uh, episode uh, is more of the idea of saying, let's, you know, let's use the system, let's use... Um, Things that people don't normally think about, you know, uh, uh, we'll uh, you know, uh, blind them with, uh, uh, you know. If you can't dazzle them with bl- brilliance, baffle them with BS, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So there's always that. Uh, so what we're doing is we're following up on our previous episode, as I said, and we're going to go through these tips we have, and hopefully these are things that you haven't read all over the Internet. Um, and if they are... Well, uh, if you've got ones that we don't mention that you think are really, really important, then, uh, you know, come on back. Come on and do them. Okay. Oh. Oh. Skunk oil sprays, wards off attackers, tags them for retrieval later. Nobody carries the remover. There really is no remover for Butelmer Captain. Well, there is, but, you know, you have to have it. There's only one thing that's designed specifically to remove it. Well, yeah, because everybody goes, oh, if your dog gets hit with a skunk, bathe it in tomato juice. No, you just have a dog that now smells like skunk and tomatoes. The only thing that really takes care of it, unless you have this specific remover, is time. It just has to wear off. And in the meantime, clothes, gone. Skin has to, you can scrub the skin off maybe. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But, oh no, skunk oil spray? Yeah. And everybody knows what it is. And... I'm sorry, unless you have no sense of smell or taste whatsoever, you know what it is. You know it's coming. You can smell it for if you're driving by, let's say you got windows open, or even if you're you know, your windows are closed, you know when somebody's hit a skunk. Cause you smell oh, yeah. that stuff for like about a fifth of a mile even after you pass it. Because <laughs> I got plenty of skunks in my area because I have a county park right out my back door of my apartment building. We know when there's skunks around, so yeah. You know, it's kind of like why they put the dye pack in money for when you rob a bank. As soon as it leaves the entrance, yeah, it's a nasal dye pack. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, they're always talking about like, oh, you know, how are we going to know that so and so is the person we want? You know, just give them a little squirt. As you go, as you go by them, just tag them. Yeah. I, I have that one thing about nobody carries a remover. I'm sorry, you, if you have the skunk oil spray and let's say something happens and it goes off or the bottle breaks, you're going to want that remover. Well, what I meant was nobody that you use it on has the remover. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Because you know, it's not something that hardly anybody ever uses. Is right. What I'm saying. It's, I, I wouldn't even know how to get skunk oil remover. I wouldn't even know where. Maybe a sporting goods store, maybe? No, you have to order it online. Like yeah. I said, nobody buys it. But you can buy skunk oil because it's, it's one of those uh, practical joke things. Yeah. Because you can yeah. buy the stuff, but usually you don't get any remover for it. Yeah. Because you don't want the remover well, for here, it. Well, know? I'm sure that it can be chemically recreated, but let's face it, if you had to, like, gather it, would you want that job? No, that's the job you give to the new guy. Okay, you no. Get, it, yeah. If you buy it online, you're buying a, you're buying a chemical version. Yeah, of I was it. gonna it's, say it's like it's, it's not. They're not yeah. harvesting it. Yeah, from right, right. The it's plants. Just, yeah, right. It's like no, the Johnson over there, the newbie, gets to do that. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, somebody who has no sense of smell. That's right. Their job. Yeah, yeah. Okay, this next one, I don't remember. I mean, I've seen Terminator two and under. Again, folks, we're going by a patented, tried-and-true Bruce Shepard outline here for this. Hang body armor inside of cars. See Terminator 2. Light, and you don't always have to be wearing it. Extra for new folks. Won't protect your head, but who wears helmets when not in combat or riding a motorcycle? I don't remember the part where they were hanging body armor inside the car. Yeah, they were being they were in this big panel truck. It, they'd actually stolen the... Uh, um the SWAT team's truck. Oh, is this they when they were, were heading down to Mexico when um, Sarah Connor's friend down in Mexico, they met with him? No, th this this was... I don't remember exactly, but they were in a panel truck, and it, and it was full of body armor, okay? And they just and she just started grabbing it and tying it over the windows and, 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 and tying it to each other so that there was a, all these... Because you know, it was like in bins inside the truck. And, you know, that way, anybody firing from the back, because they were going as fast as they could, and most of their opponents were coming from the rear. So, you know, it, it provided, these guys are firing rifles, rounds, and handguns, and things like that, and they just weren't, you know, penetrating. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and I'm saying is that I, I don't know what they use in actual armored cars because when I looked into it a long time ago, it seemed like they actually used like you know, like metal and things like that. And I was like, well, if aren't if you know if ballistic cloth is so so effective against weapon fire, why don't we just layer the inside? That way, you don't have a car that basically has to have extra suspension put on because it weighs so much, and, and it, it may be a an economic aspect of it or. Maybe uh, Richard always said that that normal weapon fire actually doesn't go through cars. That that the double layer that most cars are made out of is enough to stop most weapon fire. It's the windows is where all the real weight comes from because they use that that special polycarbonate layered windows that are very very heavy. They're like the bank window glass, you know, and and those are what adds all the weight to the car. But I don't know. I'm just saying it's uh, you can look into that. But to me, it seems like you know you get into a car, you're driving away. People are chasing you. You have people in the car who don't have armor. Okay, take the armor, put it against the back of the car. You know, you know, hang it from the back window. You know, do something. You know, so that you know have people just hold it up there because that way you know it protects everybody in front of the armor rather than just having a couple people that actually have the armor. And if you have lots of body armor, then yeah, you can just basically easily take a take a car, a rental car, or a car you just robbed, you stole, okay, and just start, you know, duct taping it all along the sides and over the windows. You know, black out the back of the car and 
you've got basically low, you know, easily, easily put together and easily dismantled uh, armored car. Okay, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> now, now I'm gonna have to see that movie again. Um, <laughs> there you go. It's yeah. a good movie. Yeah. Oh no, no, probably the best lot of all the ones that have come out. Um, all, all the Terminator movies. So yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of like number four. Number four was fun when when they had two John Connors. Um, the female and male John Connor. Genesis. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think oh, that the one was pretty good. Oh, the one with uh, Matt Smith. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Always have one weapon that can penetrate a concrete block. You may only have one shot, but they don't know that. Yeah. This is this falls into the shock and awe kind yes, of thing. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Oh you God. Got yes. People, they're all behind the car. And they're all like saying, "You're never gonna get us out. We're gonna, you know." He says, "He says you can, you know, whatever." They they make some bravado type statement, and boom, hole just opens up in the car right next to them. So that's the point where you just drop your weapon, stand up, say, "Please don't kill us." Well, that's the thing. That's that's, and if you only got the one shot, that is where the guy who has that weapon had better have the highest bluff roll. <laughs> Now, I just had to have somebody else in the party with a high bluff roll. Well, right? yeah, you yeah, you can just sit there and say, okay, that was shot one. And then it's the whole Clint Eastwood, do I have five rounds or do I have six rounds? Well, do you feel lucky, punk, do you? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and I've seen movies where, you know, they just started working their way from one side of the, one end of the vehicle to the other, was basically pushing everybody toward the the back end of the vehicle where the gas tank was and they're all going he's gonna hit the gas tank on the next shot you know yeah but yeah. i'm just saying is that sometimes you you only have one you you only brought one super powerful shot you know and um you know but they don't know that yeah <laughs> they, they you know you, you just act like okay says hand me a clip Oh, yeah, of that X one round, <laughs> and then you fire the one shot, and they're all going, "Okay, we give up." Yeah, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you guys can't see it, but every time I say that, I'm raising my hands above my head. <laughs> it's just the thought of it; I would give up. You know, just hopefully have, they're not going we, to just kill you. Yeah, do we have to start live streaming this stuff so people can see us physically? <laughs> like I did with probably, the show. It's probably for the best if we did. Yeah, no, 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 we. <laughs> Okay. Um, oh, I like this one. Oh. Always use the enemy's name. Talk about their family. It is intimidating as hell, especially when they're supposed to be covert. Telepaths are good for feeding that type of info. Or It's like the old Scottish saying, forgive but never forget the bastard's name. Yeah. Um, oh, no, it was the whole thing with Deadpool. Where's Francis? Yeah. <laughs> My name is Ajax. No, you're Francis. Yeah. Right. I mean, well, most people uh, in, in, in covert operations, everybody assumes that nobody knows who they are, that they're ghosts, okay? Uh, except for, like, James Bond, where everybody knows who James Bond is. Well, yeah. But, <laughs> but I'm just saying, most of the time, you know, you're supposed to be these people who nobody knows, and that's part of your... Your survivability is the fact that nobody knows who you are. All of a sudden, you start chapter and verse in them, and they're like, uh, we got to get out of here before, because everyone's going to be looking for us. They know who we are. And, you know, your opponents might beat a hasty retreat. You know, and of course, you could always talk about their families, like, be, you know, really be ashamed for you not to be able to come home to your wife, Susan, and your two kids, you know, Jacqueline and, and, and Roger, you know. And that sweet little German, te uh, you know, German terrier you have, you know, and 
This really would be a shame, don't you think? Because that's what's going to happen if you keep if you don't give up right now. Oh no, that was one of the beauty things about Person of Interest, where Finch would come in with information, and just these people would turn white. And you had he was trying to get a laptop away from I think it was the Estonian mafia and this Korean hacker who is known as Demon Eight. So he sits there with Demon Eight, and you know Finch has you know Bear the dog with him, and he's like, "Yes." So let me tell you something, Daryl. <laughs> I'm going to give you one hundred thousand dollars to take that laptop, disappear for a year, and especially don't go back to such and such an address where your mother lives. <laughs> White. Just the guy was just like, "Oh my God, how's this guy? No, here, take it. Here, here, here's the money. Go." <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I I mean, when, when when somebody else has all the cards, it's time to fold. Oh, yeah. Just, oh, yeah. It, it's, if and and having, a, I mean, well, I mean, with a lot of games, it's just hacking. I mean, you don't even need a telepath. Just get somebody who can hack personal files and, well, no, we had in, in the Bureau 13 Saturday game, uh, she had to leave the game because she started her own. Uh, Tracy played a Wear Jaguar hacker. So, yeah, I had her hack into stuff, and I'm given all the information, and my characters ran with it. And just, I, I did it. I played where, you know, the NPC just like, wait a minute, how did you get that? And it's like, that that's for us to know and you not to find out. Anyways, there, Myron. <laughs> Here's the deal, you know. And it was really funny because um, the blue dragon enemy that I have in both Bureau games, you know, the past one the present that same character found personal information and hacked into like his setup accounts as mr storm yeah so always get background information on your enemies i mean just it could be anything because the the more minute the better but even as i said if you're playing a game like bureau 13 where it's all spies and everything if you know about the person, you know, because a lot of it is, what's the term? Cat and mouse. That's the thing about building a better mousetrap. And that's using the, getting the information on the people who are stalking you. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, you might have, you know, like, this guy may have trained assassins coming after you. But if you sit there and get back to him and say something about the personal life that nobody knows about or a past secret, you know, black, as my daughter would say, blackmail is such an ugly word. <laughs> but you can sit there and say, uh, okay, yeah, you know, you can sit there and hunt me down, or, you know, your wife at this address, there might be a red dot on her, just saying, you know. And all of a sudden, those assassins might disappear, because, you know, the yeah. fact that you even know about the wife at such and such an address, that's enough to scare most people. They think that they're, yeah. they think that they're, and I always have problem with this word, anonymity is their Anim armor. Yeah, anonymity. See, you're yeah. having trouble, yeah, too. They, I know, it's a hard word. Mystique. Yes. Let's try I mean, that. They, their mystique is their armor. Yeah. But once you well, find... Well, I mean, remember, a lot of times these people are do are willing to die to keep the secret. And you say, look, we know all about, you know, the the, the red file 4789, okay? It's like, you know, we, we, we all read it this morning. Okay, we're, we're here, you know, to... Make sure that other people don't get their hands on it, you know. And they're all like, well, what the heck are we trying to protect this for? Everybody know all about it. I'm not going to get killed to protect something that everybody knows about. 
and you, you undercut their entire morale because, you know, the whole reason why they're there is now up for grabs. Oh, yeah. So any type of good information, I mean, obviously, if you know your enemy's name, you can go from there. But even just information about the person, what they're doing. Information is the best currency on the planet. That's why there is such a thing as information brokers. Um, Matrix, second movie. Merovingian. Information was his currency. It's what, that's what he bartered. And you saw how powerful the Merovingian was. That's the thing. And if you get information that outdoes him, he's willing to do you a service because you've given him something new. He's going to give you something back. Knowledge is power. And you can use that in every facet of your game, folks. Just That's right. And oh, sometimes yeah. it's, not, it's, not what, it's not the knowledge you think is important. Sometimes, you know, you, something else will turn out to be entirely important. Well, everything has a price. Or what? what is it that my ex-stepfather-in-law would say? Something is only as much as whatever idiot's willing to pay for it. Yep. Because if they see value in it, they'll give you money, and it could be the smallest thing. Wait a minute, you, how did you learn this? Yep. Where, where where did you find this? Yeah, so it, it's it, it's just... But yeah, talking about the, the more deeper personal secrets about your enemy, the better. Now, if you're finding out that, and I'll use the old champion's mega villain, Dr. Destroyer, you find out that he was picked on in school, and that's why he became a megalomaniac villain with the armor and everything. If you sit there and find out that, you know, he was the kid who got pushed in a mud puddle in school, you know, <laughs> that'll often stop him in their tracks. Wait a minute, how did you find out about that? So, yeah, it just, again, it's research and tactics. A lot of this ends up being, and this one here is the one that could stop an entire army in their tracks. Just, if you know the deep dark, that'll turn the tide nine times out of ten. So just research your opponents, people. You players, research your opponents. Yep, and use those telepaths. Yeah. Don't let them sit around their butts. Yeah. Make them earn their pay. Yeah, exactly. I was just, <laughs> beat me to it. <laughs> Okay. You know, I mean, I, I, I see so often people says, I have telepathy. And what are you using it for? Well, we're going to coordinate our attacks. Okay, and? Oh, no, no. We have, in my games, we, we usually try to have one person who has some type of telepathy. And I'm like, no, you got this guy? Rolodex the crap out of his mind. Oh, he failed his will save. What a shame. This is what, you know, first round, this is what you get. Second round, third round, okay. Pretty much you have full access. What are you looking for? And just, yeah, there's there's superficial mind scan and mind probe. I use the psionic feats out of out of Psywatch for that. And, oh, yeah, if you have a telepath or even an empath, because even an empath will give you, uh, if you have empathic abilities, that gives bonuses on sense motive and diplomacy and intimidate. Anything of an emotional basis, if you've got an empath, that'll even work. You don't need full telepathy. I mean, if you, it, it's like reading cards at a at a poker table. That why do you think they never let Counselor Troy play poker on Next Gen? <laughs> she was an empath. Yep. Yeah. So she knows when you're lying. Yeah, exactly. Or I love in one book, O'Brien was there at the table and he was faking Troy's accent. Captain, I detect faint bluffing. <laughs> And I'm like, that was a jerk statement there, Miles. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think he was that kind of guy. But, yeah, so researching telepaths. Yeah, I mean, coordinating attacks is nice. Getting information where you're not even involved in, in having to attack is even better. The best fight is the one that you don't have to fight at all. Right. Okay. In D&D, use characters with damage mitigation to taunt opponents into giving up their reactions so they don't get attacks of opportunity. Right. Because in most games... 
D and D versions you know, from three point on and after, you only get one. Uh, you only get one attack of opportunity, or you only get one uh, reaction, which is possibly an attack of opportunity. So if you can get someone to give it up, that means that from that point on, everybody can run around them, and nothing, and they can't respond. They can't. They can't make special. You know, uh, attack them. And if you're trying to uh, get past somebody, you know, and there's a fair amount of space, you know, usually they're saying, well, we don't want to go by them because, you know, we're low-level fry and this person is just going to crush us with a single blow. You send your person up there who is the most likely to either not get hit or uh, if they do get hit, they can reduce the damage because that's one of the special abilities that rogues have. They they get it like a you know, uh, they get, they get to basically have the damage or uh, other things like that and and they get them to you know you go up you make your attack you back off they go and they says oh I get my attack of opportunity boom I missed or boom I did like two points of damage and they're like fine everybody else zoom. Yeah, see, I'll, there, I'll, I'll stay behind and deal with this person. Yeah, there is the and one feet. Um, so that's really important to do that uh, because uh, a lot of yeah, and, and and for example, uh, um, my uh, I have a character who uh, every time that if I get hit by a uh, an attack, okay, I and I can only do this once uh, a, a combat, but um, I can re I can respond by rain fire down on that person okay well if that person happens to be resistant to fire that means i pretty much wasted that and now i can't do attacks of opportunity because i just used up my reaction oh, okay all right yeah yeah so there's 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 uh, times when you can do that but it's uh let's see here uh let's see um yeah and, and that's and see like for example you if you have a this is really important if you have a character who's keeping up a concentration spell because that character does not want to get hit under any circumstances because you know it's 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 can be really hard to make those saving throws uh, to keep those spells going when you you know they're concentration based and so that if you if you make them give up their reactions then like that there are attacks of opportunity then you're pretty much safe until they get another real turn Okay. All right. So you got to have somebody whose job it is is to basically go up there and and take a hit for the team. Preferably the person who's you know got the best healing factor. It's got the potion of healing in their pocket. It's got uh, um, you know can have the damage. Has resistances yeah. to the person's form of attack. You know wh whoever that person is. You know, I'm I'm playing a. Uh, um, oh, um, I forget the, the the they're like devils. They got horns, but they're not. Hmm. They're player characters. What game? D and D. Tiefling. Tiefling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Play tiefling. They're they take half damage from fire. I'm like saying I'm always telling the, the mage, go ahead, cast the fireball. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll probably save, and if I do save, I take quarter damage. Yeah. It'll be fine. My clothes light might be a little smoky, but other than that, I'm good. Hit it. Yeah, meanwhile, meanwhile, you just took out a dozen people who were trying to kill us. Right. You know, don't wait on me. 
Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> not. That's not. A, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say that's just having knowledge of your 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 party's capabilities. If you yeah. know you got the guy with you know fire resistance five or ten, use that fireball because he'll brush it off. You know he might, you know if he does his as I said if he makes his reflex save and he's got the fire resistance he'll only take a couple points of damage. But yeah, everybody else will be you know cinders. So that just know what your party can and can't do. That that helps a lot with the tactics. Um, yeah, just the way you put it, characters with damage mitigation. Yeah, that just, just and the, you'd be surprised how many. Do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times people don't even think about it. They're like, I've oh, got we're playing all these different characters. I'm like saying, okay, so you take half damage from this, and you take half damage from that, and you take half damage from that. Well, when we get in those situations, you guys need to get up front, you know. And and uh, I'm playing the cleric, so I'll stay back and. And keep popping you back up if you go down. <laughs> yeah. Because that's the way it is in 5th edition. It's like, you know, uh, you, you work, just like all editions of D&D, until you get reach zero hit points, you're at 100% effectiveness. And then as soon as you, if you take damage, if you take 100 points of damage, and you have 20, it knocks you to zero hit points, and you stop right there. And then, you know, then my turn comes up, and I'm like, Okay, bang, you know, one point of healing. You're up. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, let, me, let me feed you a, uh, a good berry or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, and all of a sudden you're back up again, fully effective, able to take your turn. Okay, maybe you'll go down the next round. Maybe we need to pop you up again. But, I mean, it's a lot better off than those poor, you know, the people you're fighting who basically when they go down, they stay down. Yeah. Well, nine times out of ten, the ones like that are popcorn. I mean... You know, they're they're meant to be just you know one or two hits and they're done. Yeah. Uh, we run into a whole lot of critters that were like you know, fifty hit points, and uh, they took forever to get those things down. Yeah, yeah. They were dishing tons of damage out to us, and we were the ones going down. But I was popping them back up again. <laughs> that was the cleric. I was the one to do that. Ah. You know? So, uh, but I had all these characters saying, "I'm I've only got ten hit points left." He says, you're going to heal me, aren't you? I said, when you go down? Yeah. <laughs> and they're like looking at me like, you you, you terrible person. You you mother and fatherless so-and-so. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's I'm like, like, I'm like, that's not, that's not it, this is the game system, guys. You know? I mean, if, if, if you went to negative 20, if I didn't do this, then I would heal you. But since you always go to zero... Why shouldn't why why shouldn't I wait? Yeah. I'm reminded of Scorpius and Peacekeeper Wars, where the Peacekeeper soldier was injured, but he grabbed I mean grabs him by the. You are still standing. You will keep fighting and pushes him back toward the direction of the firing line. And I'm just like, and even Crichton's just looking, going, "Damn." <laughs> Yes, where are you going? The battle's over there. Yeah, right, exactly. You don't have time to rest. Get over there and join your fellows with the guns. Yeah. Okay. Um oh I like yeah, I've always liked this one. This one has foiled so many of my players. Use tactics that cause opponents to fail on a straight percentage. Mirror image, concealment rather than boost armor class. If that isn't available, then give your opponents disadvantage on save or attack. 
Yeah, um, D20s, yeah, those can be altered. You can throw hero points on them, action points if you're using D20 Modern. You don't have nothing to help you with a percentage check, and that's concealment. My, my, my players even get, as soon as I, let's say they're using teleport. Now, you know in the, the OGL, the, your, your teleport rate goes up as far as hitting on target, the more that you know where you're going to. Even when I just say teleport, they get, okay, roll percentile, and I hear over the Skype or I see you across the table. Oh, God. <laughs> because they know there's nothing they can do to augment this roll. What they see is what they get. But yeah, concealment? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Displacement, blur. I'm trying to remember other spells that old. Uh, well, you know, blindness, you know, they like say is, is really... Well, because yeah, that dark, gives concealment because too. Because darkness is uh, is a wash. If, if you're both in darkness, you know you have advantage on hitting them because they can't see, but they but you also have disadvantage because you can't see. Yeah. So it basically doesn't change anything. You're both you're firing both blind. Yeah, you're both firing blind. You both have concealment against each other. Right. So you want to basically do something like, as I said um, earlier, use blindness. Because then they can't see you, and now all their attacks are at disadvantage, and all your attacks are advantage. Yeah. Also, knocking people down. You know, all your if you're in, if you're in a melee character and you're right next to them, all your attacks have advantage. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the the penalties on and that that chart in the core rule. Yes. Yeah, that's uh, and and uh, have we mentioned about animals? Using animals. I think we did in the last one. Yes. Okay, because, you know, having a trained wolf whose who's number one job is to trip, you know, and take yeah. people down, can't beat that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you basically have the wolf go first. This is what people always make the mistake. And I was talking to my wife about this. He says, you're always having your familiar go after you. Have your familiar go first. Then oh, no. you can take advantage of if you're familiar who's a pseudo-dragon, uh, actually, it's an it's a animal companion, Yeah. actually sting somebody and they get poisoned then they have disadvantage and you get to attack them with advantage now oh yeah no <laughs> jo josie does that with her pokemon the sunday game she'll sit there and just okay pidgeotto and houndoom and uh, yeah and just softens them up now she yeah. don't she don't attack me i mean she i think she has like a bullpup particle rifle and okay i've softened them up now i'll you know lay down some fire but yeah, she does that with all of her Pokemon in that game. Just sends them out and they just... And they're fully evolved, so they're just hitting with all these massive attacks. They're like 13 to 15 hit-die creatures now. So yeah, she's just... She'll send them out and they just soften them up. And then after a while, it's like... Yeah, she'll do a little bit, then we come in and just mow everything down. So yeah, um, familiar... You, you could, let's like say a, a wolf that has a special ability to trip opponents... You trip them, you have the wolf go first, he trips the opponent, opponent's now prone, yep. you step up, you you, you get either a, uh, earlier dishes a plus two to hit, or you have advantage on your attack. That's golden. Well, yeah, and if, I mean, I don't know if being, well, prone is not really being helpless. No, that's why it's advantage and not automatic. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, because, yeah, if, if you're helpless, that's a coup de grace, then that's, that's a hit and an auto crit, yeah. Right, um, but like, um, uh, I believe that uh, if you have, a lot of cases, uh, if you have um, uh, the one that keeps you from moving, 
I don't think uh, it, just the basic keeping from moving doesn't give a, a, a an advantage. It doesn't give advantage, but there are some other forms of it, like paralysis, for example. Paralysis gives you advantage on all your attacks because they can't because they can't dodge it theoretically, at least oh, yeah. not well. Yeah. Okay. So there's lots and lots of conditions that you can place on other people that give you advantage and then give them disadvantage. And because of the way that especially D&D &D is set up, having advantage and disadvantage is a huge difference, a huge change from the previous edition. I mean, I, as I, I told you before, I'm pretty sure that it's about a 50% bonus by doing that because, you know, they have two chances to fail or to, and you have two chances to succeed. That's that's like double your attacks. I mean, it's, oh no! You know, all the all the conditions now in in the Pathfinder core rulebook like deafened, blinded, nauseated, sickened, frightened. Oh yeah, and and some of them are just like like fatigue and exhausted. You know, fatigue is just a lesser version. If you can sit there and somehow enhance a condition to bring it from level A to level B. That adds on more stuff. So yeah, there are times where that's why we say blindness and deafness work. And if you can do like cloud kill, where if you make the save, you're still nauseated. You're still nauseated. Nauseated means you can't cast spells. And if you take out your spellcaster by making him nauseated, you just drop the firepower of the opponent's precipitously basically yeah if you take out their guy who's not lobbing fireballs at you anymore yeah you can just come in and walk all over him because he's too busy you know trying to you know hack up lunch you know yeah how are they going to cast fireballs that they can't see right exactly or if they can't talk i think nausea oh I, yeah yeah i think nausea i think nauseated keeps you from uh spell casting anything with a verbal component you can't use while nauseated i think so yeah, and that's that's one of the reasons why, you know, uh, it's um, silence has always been such a powerful spell against mages is because almost every spell uses somatic components. You mean verbal? Somatic I meant verbal. Yeah, somatic is yeah, somatic is yeah, sure, yeah, yeah. Sorry about. Oh that. no, I don't. I don't think there is. I don't think there's a single spell that doesn't at least have a verbal component. I mean, I'd have to look. And I'm uh, sure. Better fall. Really. Yep, better fall just requires you holding a feather. Okay, you know what? Pretty sure. And and if not, you know, third edition had meta magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get yeah. silent spells, things like that. So, yeah, yeah, silent spells, still spell. Yeah, but that's why people, you know, didn't. But they always raised them way up in level, which is why people didn't want to do that if they didn't need to. So. You know, oh, verbal up oh, feather fall. Oh, at least for Pathfinder, feather fall verbal component. Oh, okay. You don't even. So need, they they, they basically changed it now. Now it just has a verbal component. It doesn't have a material component. Right. Earlier editions, you had to have that feather. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was. Just, I just wanted so, to make sure. I wasn't trying to sit there and you know prove hey, you it's wrong. Okay. I'm, yeah, I yeah. Mean, I'm I just. Sure, I'm sure there are. I mean, you know, uh, we know there's some that only have verbal components, yeah. like all the power words. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, and of course, other game systems they you know uh, allow you to cast spells without. That normally require somatic or verbal. You, you cast them in a silent fashion because, you know, you set them up that way. Yeah. You know? So yeah, it's it's uh it's it's perfectly fine. But you know, anything you can do to uh, to place that person in a situation where they have disadvantage 
uh, or you have gained advantage is going to be a, is a much better improvement than any plus on your armor or plus on your sword or whatever, you know, within reason. Of course, you know, you got a plus five Avenger, that's going to be better probably than advantage. Well, yeah, but, I mean, in order to get to the point where you can get a plus five Avenger, you have to use tactics with which weaken your opponents so you can take them out easier. So you yeah. can get to the point where you can wield a plus five Avenger, yeah. Right, I'm just, I'm just saying. It's, yeah. It's, but most of the time, that, that that's that's a huge change they introduced in 5th edition. And while it does make it easier to do a long combat, to me it's a huge sea change in uh, in, in the power, you know, you know, where the bonuses and minuses are. So, uh, like I said, I, I would always try to do that. Um, you know, if I could. Uh, okay, uh, let's see here. Um, oh, um... Uh, and the uh, the last thing uh, we had, which is, is that uh, always, if you can can do it, if you can't get like an advantage disadvantage, a flat bonus is almost is going to be better than extra dice. Oh yeah, uh, a, a plus two is better than a d six, even though the average for the d six is three. Because you can count on the plus two; it's going to be there. Oh yeah, you're trying to say, what do I need to hit to get that opponent? You know, a D6, well, maybe I'll get that three. Maybe I'll get a one, and it won't work. But if I know I get a, a plus two or a plus three, and that gets me there, then I'd rather have the plus two that always gets me there than the plus possible plus six that happens every so often. Yeah, well, like with uh, in Pathfinder, in the Advanced Player Guide, they started up the concept of hero points, where with any D20 roll, you can get a flat plus eight bonus. Now, if you make your roll, but it's before you find out whether you pass or fail, it's like, I made the roll. Okay, I don't think it's quite high. I want to blow the hero point. You still get a plus four. So, I mean, you're still getting a decent bonus. Now, I mean, there are other things like, let's see, the investigator has inve uh, inspiration, which on certain skills and even on to hit rolls and saves, you can get a D6. I would still go for the hero points, and of course, I have rules that give more hero points to the characters. So there, because there are also things that they use, which they're blowing through hero points or action points, because it was three point five d twenty modern stuff that I'm adapting to Pathfinder. Yeah, flat bonuses are always better because you're not relying on the luck of the roll. That's why I actually prefer Pathfinder's hero points to the action points from um, d twenty modern. Because they were always, oh, you add a 1d6 to your roll. I've lost count of the number of times where, yeah, they get that d6 and it still wasn't enough. Yeah, that's how I always was when I got those, you know, those points, you yeah. know, that you could use. And, uh, and if you think that 5th uh, uh, edition introduced the idea of advantage, uh, just remember that uh, Savage Worlds has had you rolling two dice for success for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. Taking the better of the two rolls. Oh no, I remember. I, I do remember the hero that hero die I, and the regular die. Yeah, I do remember that when I played Savage Rifts with uh, Sean Patrick. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, and I always think it's funny when they're like, "Okay, so what's my chance of success?" He says, "Well, you're a hero, so you get to roll your hero die, and you also get to roll your, you know, your uh, default die." And they're like, "So." I have one level in this, so my default die is a D4, but my hero die is a D6. 
so I'm actually getting better with my hero die than my default die. And I'm like, yeah, this is a great to be a hero. <laughs> but I mean, you think about it. It's like, why? Why should your hero die ever be bigger than your default die? You know, your your actual dice you're supposed to roll. But that's that's why it's fast and furious, I guess. Well, yeah, that that that's it goes for that cinematic type of style. Yeah, that's the whole point of Savage yeah. Worlds. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's that's it. What I got? You got anything else you want to? No, throw in I, here? oh no, no. This whole list on the hacks. No, this was a wonderful list that you had. Just and there were some things that I mean, I have no small shakes on gaming experience. I mean, Bruce obviously has more, but I've got you know maybe ten years less. I'm sure you have had just as much active experience as I. Have. Well, yeah, okay, not the years, I mean, not the years, just, but the mileage. You know, <laughs> as the saying goes, okay, do you have thirty years of experience, or do you have three years of experience that you've done ten times? Yeah, right. Yeah. But no, he, he came up with just some wonderful things, and uh, some of them even caught me off guard, folks. Just, I was like, oh, you can, you know, that's the whole thing. You can do that? You know, the, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, no, no, it was another outstanding patented Bruce Sheffer outline that we had here, folks. So. <laughs> well, thank you. No, uh, no problem. And, I, and my main concern is that, like I said, you, if you, a lot of times, uh, if you want, we, there used to be this really great thing that was uh, in, um, uh, uh, it was a Space Gamer magazine uh, by um, a Steve Jackson Games. It was called Murphy's Rules. Oh yeah. See, they always taught. They always used it as a bad thing. Look at this ridiculous thing. Look how you know it's broken and all this stuff like that. And but see, the thing was is that a lot of times those ideas just tweaked a little bit, weren't broken, and they were really great. You know. Uh, so a lot of times, you know. Everybody, I've always believed that the only way to know a system is to push it to its extreme example. This is, you know, what happens under these circumstances, so then you know what you can really do. Yeah. Uh, and so that's part of what a lot of these things have come out from, was saying, well, if I do this, and I do this, then what happens, you know? Like, right now, everybody, we have, the pseudo-dragon has a little bag around its neck. And it carries ball bearings, and it and and it, when it's up against a, a set thing where somebody is attacking somebody, its first round it'll dump the ball bearings, and that ah. means that person has to make a saving throw every round that it's attacking this this um, yeah. uh, because if it doesn't, it's going to fall down, and when it falls down, it now has advantage on it. Yep. And, it, and ball bearings are nothing. They cost nothing. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I, I try to give them to other players, and they're all like, no, no, we want to use our attacks when they come up. And I'm like, dude, they're going to come up and it'll be in your face. He says, why don't you just throw them down, you know? And um, I, I had another one, which I just did recently um, uh, for Fallout 4, uh, which is not an RPG. Well, okay, let me say that. <laughs> uh, and, and it was um, Kyle Trump's. Uh, yeah. In Fallout 4, uh, it's like, well, and you're like, they they do like, you know, like one or two points of damage. Who cares, right? Okay. And the thing is, is that, or, well, first of all, is is that it's the biggest bang for the buck on getting experience when you're low level that you can find. You can sit there and just turn scrap metal into caltrops and go up levels, literally levels, before you leave your initial base. Okay, rather than just having to run off and be lower level. Okay, yeah. but more importantly is is that in the, that game they super beefed up the um, 
what they call the ghouls, which are basically these, these irradiated, mindless killing machines, you know, that, that look a lot like zombies. And in this, in this version of the game, they charge at you and they hit you at the end of their charge. Okay, and they usually hit you hard. But if you take these caltrops and throw them down on the ground ahead of you, as soon as they hit the caltrops and take one point of damage, they stop dead. And they never get to hit you that first round. They might hit you the second round, but hopefully by that point, you've, you've killed them. Yeah, I, I forget the rules for caltrops and Pathfinder. It's something that I might have to have them use, you know, down the line. Just, yeah, yeah. caltrops, ball well, bearings, yeah. You either slow them down or... Like for ball bearings, they'd have to make a balance, you know, an acrobatics check. Yeah, well, it's, it, it basically depends on what happens. If all you do is take damage, then maybe it doesn't matter that much. But if it affects your your agility after that, yeah, you, you hurt your foot, or if it makes you stop, you have to make a saving throw versus Constitution, or you stop. That's a huge. That's yeah. a huge thing. That 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 a little piece of metal that you can carry, you know. Dozens of them in a sack. Yeah, and it don't they don't weigh much. Yeah, I mean it's just one of those things where you, you just say you can really make a big difference here. You know, throwing caltrops, throwing caltrops on the easy way up to you, make, make them go around. Find another way. Give you an extra couple rounds before you know of, of missile attacks before they actually reach you because they're going around the the minefield, which is what caltrops would be. Yeah. So yeah, I mean things like that. That uh, I've never seen anybody else d mention the fact that the that the ghouls just stop dead if you do that, uh, and not just ghouls. Okay, the, the giant mutated bears do the same thing. Those things come up, take one swap at you, and you've taken a huge amount of damage. Well, you get a round, extra round, because they run up at you, and you're firing at them, and they stop because. They ran into the caltrops, and then you fire again, and hopefully you kill with a second shot, or at least you're backpedaling away from it. I mean, you got stuff going on. If you in that game, you can you can press a, a key button, and it and it'll drop the caltrops while you're still backing up and and shooting your gun, so you can just keep on doing it. They may that creature may never reach you because you keep stopping it with the caltrops. Yeah. So it's it's using a, a you know they like say it's a hack. It's using a, a thing, uh, taking advantage of a way they're handling the game system. But that's all hacks ever are. Yeah. They're just you taking advantage of the game system, and why shouldn't you? If that's the reality of the game, that's what the game designers created, you know, then it's not your fault. You know, you should be doing it. You know, and you don't even have to be a power gamer. No. Just somebody to, you know, you, you know, just because you do that, that does not make you a power gamer. No. Just make some... It, these are almost all defensive in nature, usually, you know, and, and you know, you only have so many hit points, so <laughs> you shouldn't be held, you shouldn't be held in contempt for trying to preserve them. Exactly. All right, well, thanks, everybody, for listening to us. Thanks, uh, Trav, for being here for yep. the second one. The, you know, in our case, it's the day before uh, the 4th of July, we're recording this, and uh, I'm glad he took some time out of his vacation to do this. If anybody out there has some great hacks, Please post them to our Facebook group, uh, the uh, fans of Gaming on the Frontier, or uh, send us an email uh, to the Podbean site uh, or whatever. Just and uh, please, if you ever get a chance, get over to iTunes and give us a a, uh, a positive review because we'd love 
for you to do that, and it would drive more people to this content. Yep. So thanks a lot, everybody, and we'll have more for you next week. But until then, this is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.